Count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Trying to try told him I'm a beast, blood. What's up, gang? Welcome back to another episode of the Grindcast. Get ready. It's a new day. Uh, we're not going to take too much of your time today. I got about 20 minutes of things that I wanted to share with you off a question that was asked to me, and that was some of the biggest things that I've learned uh, from my mentors, from folks that have, that have, and there's so many people that have poured into my life, uh, asked for forgiveness if, if there's somebody that I forget to mention because there's been so, I've been blessed with so many great people that have poured into me and impacted me um, in my life. But, you know, I'll start out with uh, what I learned from my mother. Um, and I'd say, you know, my mom had me, she was pregnant at 19. Uh, my father and her, uh, my father, you know, was young. You know, over time, I give him a little bit more grace, uh, rest in peace. You know, I met my father really as an adult for the first time at 28 years old in, uh, in Miami. Uh, but up until that point, you know, my mom tells me I met one other time with him in, in uh, Caracas, Venezuela, which is where my dad was, him and his family were from. Uh, but early on, there was a, a breakup and a disappearance. And, and uh, so it was just me and my mom. And we lived with my great grandmother for a, a lot of my childhood uh, on the east side of Youngstown, where I had grandparents pitching in, my grandfather, my grandmother, uh, my grandmother's husband, who would be a grandfather to me, you know, a lot of it was team effort that I was blessed to have folks helping us in that situation. But, you know, we, we had beat up cars and cars for a thousand dollars we bought that would break down and, you know, hand me down this and, and stuff. And so I look at my mom and uh, what I learned from her was sacrifice uh, and work ethic to start out was just I know how much one thing that that we didn't have money ever. Uh, really up until high school, middle, middle of high school, my mom worked her way up from minimum wage. And, and, you know, I think I look at it and it was probably a 15 year journey to, you know, where she's managing a regional manager of, of a women's clothing stores. And, you know, I think at that point started to make, you know, good money, 60 to 80 K a year was able to buy me, you know, gloves for football and shoes and stuff at that point started to, uh, help. But before that, it was a struggle. You know, I remember asking my mom, you know, she would just laugh about it. I, I know she wasn't always this way by herself, but in front of me, she would never let herself get down to where I felt a ton of it. So I remember her laughing about it, me asking her questions as I got older, like, how did you do it? She's like, Simon, I would just get bills that I owed it, I knew I couldn't pay. And, and, and as she's telling me, she's laughing. She's like, I would just throw them in the trash. <laughs> I just throw them in the garbage. Like I, I can't pay them. And, uh, so I look at that and, and what I've learned from that is her sacrifices because, you know, she, I watched her come up, work two, three jobs. We would go to night school together. A lot of times I go to school with her at night and she, I would be, you know, she'd pull out of the driveway and I'm crying, you know, looking at her out, out of the window with my great grandmother there, because I know she ain't coming home till late. Cause the mall would be open till nine. She would close. She wouldn't be home till after 10. So I know my, I know it's like, that's it. I'm seeing her in the morning. She's gone. You know how it is for a kid. You know what I mean? My, my wife leaves the room sometimes and my three-year-old's sobbing, you know, imagine knowing mom ain't coming home, you know, for a, a, all day, you know, multiple times had to work weekends and, and uh, I know it had to be hard on her emotionally uh, to put up, 
you know, with that and not just give up and say, well, I'm going to just stay where I'm at. I'm going to stay, you know, on government funding. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to put the time in with him because he's crying. He don't understand. And, and obviously it's a community, right? So I had coaches and friends, parents that would help me and my grandmother that were blessed to have that changed the game that others didn't have that type of support. But I do look at the sacrifices that were made in evenings and weekends and, you know, a lot of her youth and childhood being kind of given up, you know, all the way till today. I look at my mom likes to ride horses and I'm like, you know, we grew up in the city. We, we, we barely had a, a car, let alone nothing even resembled a horse in the hood. Right. So how did you end up with horses? And she's like, well, when I was a kid, all the way up until, you know, late teenager, your grandfather would take me and we would do horses. And so she had that passion that just all of a sudden I come in and I never see it because it's just gone. You know what she would have liked to do to do all that time and extra energy was given away for 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 me. Right. So I look at sacrifice. I look at her work ethic. I look at her care. You know, one thing I always felt like I had was unconditional love. Uh, to where I knew that nobody would be chosen, you know, no, she would have boyfriends, you know, a couple uh, over the course of my life, not a ton, but there was a couple men in my life from kid till adult. And uh, I always felt like nobody, you know, would, she wouldn't pick them uh, over me, which, which I, again, is, is a tough struggle and a tough position to, to be in. Um, and then I think, you know, also I admire about my mom, you know, what I got, from her is non-judgment. So she was, the, she was the woman that a lot of my friends could attest, you know, it don't matter if you had 4.0 great grades and your dad, you know, was a teacher and your mom was a nurse and you come from this great family and you came over to hang out. Or if, you know, your dad was missing and, and you're hanging with gangsters and you got saggy pants and, and braids in your hair, you know, mom, like mom was going to treat everybody with love no matter what, like non-judgment, no, like treating somebody better than somebody else or worse than somebody else. But she just was like all love with everybody. So from, from the gangsters to the, to the people, you know, at the bank, like they all like my mom. Cause she just showed love and gave love to everybody. And then lastly, I, I would say, and I could go on forever about my mom is just the, the balance of personality. You know, she's foot four foot 11. So, I wasn't, this is why I'm like this y'all, you know, I wasn't born with, uh, my genetics were against me when it came to, uh, size and stature, you know? So my mom was, was 4'11 and, and beautiful, you know, to the point where I'm 16 years old and people would, you know, we take pictures and they would like, man, is that your girlfriend? You know, my mom looked like she was early twenties, you know, when she was in her mid thirties and always looks two decades, you know, uh, behind. So I think uh, what I what I looked at, you know, from her was her balance of she could be sweet as pie, heart of gold, give you the shirt off her back, like literally the most giving person just want to give and help. And, you know, she would just wants to help, you know, all the time, that type of heart. But at the same time is a beast. She's so strong, such a dog when it comes time to be like tough as nails, straight dog. But at the same time, so soft and so loving, which is so rare in a person that, that I've, I've tried to emulate some of those things. Leads me to my grandmother, nicknamed her Boo Boo. So anybody that knows me knows my mom's mom. I call her Boo Boo. Um, man, I, there's so many similar things that I could get from her. But I, I'd say, again, work ethic, sacrifice from my grandmother. Work ethic, 
as far as, you know, she had in When I was growing up, my mom would drop me off at her house and go to work. And my grandmother had a barbershop, uh, a hair salon downstairs in her basement. And it would be all day. People coming in, people coming out all day. Work. So just work ethic on her feet constantly. But sacrificing for me, she had her sister who was my my aunt. She took care of her. She had Down syndrome at one point. She was, I think, one of the oldest living people with Down syndrome. That's like raising a, a child, but on a whole nother level. So, out of everybody, my grandmother takes in you know her sister with with Down syndrome. Sacrifice, major sacrifice, doing that. All of a sudden, you raise your own kids. Now your kid has a kid. Now she got me thrown at her. She's like a mother to me, second mother. Now sacrifice again. Here we go. For years, I remember my only new pairs of shoes would happen from her cutting hair and, and all this grind to, to drive me to get me a new pair of shoes was like a holiday, you know, for this to happen. And I look at all the things that she would have had to do to get me a pair of Jordans, you know, back then. So I, I look at her sacrifice. I look at her work ethic. And to be honest, you know, one of, I, one of the traits is stubborn. You know, my grandmother is stubborn uh, in a good way. And, and so I think that's where I got my, that, that attitude of when I get my mind set on something, my grandmother don't take no for an answer. So she'll be like, yeah, they said, no, they said this can't happen or they're not going to do this. And like, you could just see in her mind, like, yeah, that's all nice, but that don't register here that, that I'm not stopping. Like she's, she's like a pit bull. She's not stopping until she gets what she wants. And another little beast that sweet as pie four foot 11, don't cross her. She can have you over for dinner and stuff your belly or, or she's relentless, you know, at the same time, just a, a tough. And so I got that from her, that stubborn mindset. This is what I think transferred over a lot in business for me. And my mom will remind me of like, Oh, you're just like, you're like boo-boo with that. Like once boo-boo puts her mind to something, she ain't taking no for an answer. She don't care what you got to say. It don't matter what this one said or this ain't possible or whatever it is. Her mind gets set on something. It's getting done. It's going down and she's going to find a way to make it happen. So I got that from boo-boo. Then I look at, you know, my grandmother's husband, Chuck, who, who was my grandfather. Both of them I've been blessed to have in my life as, as a young kid till now. Uh, Chuck, I, I think the, the importance of... Um, discipline from a man and not being afraid to force kids, force people into doing something that's best for them and having a healthy physical outlet. So, you know, Chuck, another one, sweet, nice guy. Everybody that meets Chuck, super nice, but super tough was a boxer, boxing coach. So I'm blessed to have him in my life. I remember um, him getting me a membership you know, most of my upbringing, when I look at, man, I had a membership here. I got to go to a basketball camp. It all was because of Chuck. He was the one that had uh, extra resources that he would throw in my direction to help me go to a school or help me go to a, pra uh, uh, a camp or whatever it was. A lot of those things never would have happened if it wasn't for, for this man that took me on as a grandchild and I wasn't even his own grandchild. But one of the things I look at was toughness that he brought and so we had this opportunity to, to get a membership to the Y, you know, downtown and this other uh, gym membership. And I would go there and these were a lot of kids, you know, coming from all over the city, you know, inner city, a lot of people from all over the city. And he was the one to like, man, let them get roughed up. So I dropped, he dropped me off. And, you know, some of those drives down there, I'm thinking like, yep, I just got to mentally get prepared because I know I'm going to get in a fist fight. It was like basketball and fist fight almost 100% of the time something was going to happen. And I remember one time I got a black eye 
And I come home and I'm trying to hide it. And I, my grandmother spots it and she's like freaking out. And my grandfather's like, nothing wrong with that. Like, he's going to be fine. He ain't going to die. This is good for him. And like made sure that I kept going back there. And so I appreciated that toughness, even to the point where, you know, one of the biggest, if not the biggest thing to happen in my life transitionally was eighth grade to ninth grade. And I'm like, I don't want to play sports no more. I don't want to play football no more. I was coming off a of eighth grade year where in, in trying to help me because of that period of my life, I was struggling there. My mom moves me out outside of the city. So I go from inner city in, in Youngstown Dropping me off in Camel, Ohio, right, right outside of Youngstown. Also, diverse, uh, blue collar, you know, tough, tough city. Um, so I'm going from those two places. Then they throw me out to Canfield, which is like the nice area for a year. My mom gets an apartment, small little apartment, but at least gets me a, an opportunity to go get a better education. I go to the school, and it was just horrible. Like twelve months there seemed like five years. I just didn't click with a lot of the people and there was a lot of people I did click with, you know, that I'm still cool with to this day. But when you look at transitioning somebody like where I was coming from to there, it was like worse than the fresh prints, you know, like very difficult, very difficult transition that I did that I wasn't prepared for. And so that was a, that was a challenge, you know, for me. And I, I look at it and I look at Chuck making me play football because I didn't want to play you know at that point I just didn't want to play sports anymore I was pissed off at the way sports were going on at that school in eighth grade uh, I was better than a lot of people athletically and wasn't getting a starting job that I should have got and you know all that stuff and and uh, teammates knew it everybody knew it so kind of just was uh, took my love of the game away and I didn't want to play and I'm looking at all the fun things I can do so man football already started they're forcing me to go to Ursuline High School, which was in the city of Youngstown, but it was a Catholic school and uh, phenomenal sports, like best sports in our area. I'm already small. People are telling me you're never going to play there. So I'm like, man, I ain't, I ain't even going to go out. I ain't going to play. So freshman year, already in the mix. They're in the camp. My grandfather forces me, like tough. It's like, get in the car, like yelling at me. Never yelled at me before, like just yelling at me. Like, you're getting in the car, no choice, no option. I thought he was going to beat me up. Threw me in the car, forced me to go, drops me off at, at uh, Coach Roland Smith uh, in Ursland. And, and fast forward time, not only did I start and have a good experience in football, meet some of my best friends, you know, within two weeks of that happening. My love of the game comes back. The dog comes back. By the time... Uh, I'm a senior in high school and you know, I had started and lettered multiple years at this powerhouse school. We win a state championship. I get a scholarship to play college football, gets me out of uh, Youngstown, gets me. All that stuff was started from Chuck forcing me to make a decision. And so I look at that in my own life as like, I know you don't want to force kids too much because then sometimes they rebel. But there's also got to be a balance sometimes, I think, as a parent where you, you know better than they know and they're mentally not developed enough to understand that I'm not afraid to force somebody that's to do something that's best for, for them uh, as a parent when I'm looking at, at my own children. And I could go on and on about uh, what Chuck has done. And then my grade school coach uh, coming up playing football, uh, his name was Brad Turnbull, um, toughness. This, this, for sure, I would just say toughness and camaraderie. So as a coach, we had ridiculous teams 
uh, I was playing for Camel at the, at the time, Little Red Devils, and uh, ridiculous teams. You know, we had kids that go on to win state championships, some of the best athletes you ever see. We had a great team put together. We were smashing people. But he would have us at his house all the time, and he would drop kids off in the projects. And so I just see how he would develop loyalty from players and the love he would get, but just the camaraderie of bringing people together at, at his house, how to build a team. I got that a lot from him at a young age that I didn't realize I was getting. And then also just toughness. Like I look at the things that he would have us do at nine, 10 years old. And we joke about it and we say, you know, this is abuse. You know, this stuff wouldn't be allowed, you know, today. And it's true. You know, some of the stuff we would do at 10 years old, I haven't seen done today. And I don't think you can do today. But the things that he had us do at 10 years old, I guarantee, I promise, I know what he, what he would bring out of us, the, the, that dog, so to speak, was forced into a lot of us that when I got to high school, I carried it with me. And, and, and then when I look at it, I got to college, how do you have that? And when you reverse it all the way back, I think, man, to be honest with you, it had to start there with the dog and toughness that he kind of forced in all of us through, through fight and, and making young men be tough, you know, early on in that, in that, in that, uh, that carries my high school football coaches, plural, you know, a bunch of them, but head coach was Jim Vivo. I'm going to have him on a podcast real soon. Uh, so many things I could say about him, but one thing, again, camaraderie, how to build an atmosphere of bringing people together from all different walks of life. He had a team from, you know, one person is, is in the inner city and their brother's, you know, going to jail for, for prison for murder. And the other one is, is in the country, you know, and these people are, are playing together on a, on a team and he brings them all together and found a way to get everybody to, to love one another and to build camaraderie by the, the balance he would have. He would have the balance of being tough on us and being our head coach, but still our friend. And, and that's a tough dynamic for people in business, but I, I got to watch it in person. It's hard to teach, but it's easy to learn when you watch it. And so I would say that's uh, one thing that jumps out, you know, of, of, uh, of, of my high school football coach college football co coach, uh, Marty Schetzel, you know, I got, he, he transferred in after my freshman year of college. So it was my red shirt freshman year. And he would open up down the road to say, I, he was down to just open up scholarships. He wanted to go and see who was soft there, uh, who was hard, uh, there trying to open up, you know, scholarships to get rid of people so he can bring in people that he wanted to actually recruit. And so his first year, uh, was like, what no disrespect to the military, but I think this was like a boot camp. Anybody that could that that survived it knows what I'm talking about. There was not a lot that survived it. Five o'clock, four o'clock, uh, five o'clock running up at four o'clock in the morning, uh, 200 up downs in a row, you know, with your with your pads on, just super tough discipline, almost mean, you know, to a sense. And then down the road, me and him end up getting super, super close. And, and uh, I have so much respect for him. And so again, I think that lesson learned, you know, from him was if you could hang on and survive when you want to quit, good things happen. You know, I, I went from wanting to transfer to being a four year starter in a period of a little bit over a year from when I couldn't even see a glimpse of hope to where I knew I was going to be the starter for the next four years, just from not giving up when things look like crap in for a period of time that you never know 
how much you're being tested. Sometimes the test is what you need because his test that he gave caused other people ahead of me to break and, and to open up opportunity for me and me the opportunity to earn his respect when he was looking to see who was going to break, which would open up a lot of, 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 uh, of, of opportunity. And so I think that would be, that would be uh, another big one. And then it leads me into uh, Jim Serace. Jim Serace was my first uh, mentor in this business, him and Marcus Smith. Jim Serace, I would say just uh, faith. And, and I would say, you know, he was the closest that I had ever seen to somebody walking like Jesus. So what I got from him is I'm so far from it. I tell people that if I become half the man Jim Serace, you know, was that I got to watch, you know, I, I, I'd be in good shape, but I watched him sacrifice for other people. He taught me how to give, taught us how to give to others, always taking what you have and your money and, and resources and giving to other people, uh, taught me about humility and really developed me in my relationship with God, which I think would be the, the foundation for all the success that would come after that. I wouldn't have been able to handle it without meeting him and then his partner, Marcus. Uh, Marcus, uh, to this day, is one of my best friends, but I think Marcus, what I got from him, you know, some of the biggest things was how to grind, already had to work hard, knew how to work hard, but Marcus built the business alongside of me uh, when we were coming up in the business and we would start at seven o'clock in the morning and go till, you know, nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, so, I mean, just what it took to build a business, you know, I learned from Marcus that grind and, uh, and then I, I learned how to think big from Marcus for sure. Uh, I didn't know how to think big. I knew how to work hard. I knew how to be mentally tough. I knew how to compete, but I didn't know how to think. And Marcus taught me how to think big. And I remember Marcus, my biggest week was 7,000 in production and him brainwashing me to think that I could do 20 in a week. And, and I do 20,000 in a week in my first six months in, in the business. And, you know, what changed? The only thing that changed was my belief. And before I had my own belief in myself, he was the one that would believe in me so much that it made me believe in me because he believed, you know, so much in me. And so I think just Marcus stands out to me as a big thinker, teaching me how to think big and the power of, of uh, believing in somebody. Um, I look at John Maxwell, uh, who I've had an opportunity to meet and spend times with, but I think he was a mentor before he knew he was a mentor. Reading books, he was the first book that I ever read uh, was by John Maxwell. And, and John Maxwell so helped to soften me up. You know, I, I came up football, tougher, you know, hard nose, all this. And, and my leadership style emulated that. I think Maxwell brought me that balance of, he would, he would talk about, you got to first lead with your heart uh, before asking for somebody's hand. You got to ask for their heart before asking for somebody's hand, before people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, just learn, teaching me through my reading and studying of, of Maxwell that you don't have to be so rough you know, on people. Although accountability is necessary at times, you can lead with love and still get uh, crazy results. And, you know, I wrap it up with the final two, you know, mentors, uh, Jim Tressel, um, what a blessing he's been in my life. Uh, former Ohio State football coach, Hall of Fame coach, Youngstown State, multiple national champs at Ohio State and, and, and Youngstown State president, former president of, of Youngstown State University. Uh, we, we really started to connect really formally uh, outside of football um, when I was late 20s, getting ready to start uh, a branch of Inspiring Minds, Youngstown in my hometown, starting a youth program. Uh, showed up, 
never met him before really, you know, deeply. And he gave me, I asked him for five minutes. He ended up giving me an hour and we were connected ever since I asked him for his help in, in, uh, a fundraiser. I want him to be a speaker. And then we would develop a relationship over that. And then I asked him to be a mentor. I thought he was going to take, you know, tell me no, uh, years and years and years ago. I, I thought he was going to tell me no. And this is just go to show you like, man, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And, uh, so he would be a mentor, you know, for me where we went and I don't know, it's almost been an, almost a decade, not quite of consistently every month, um, spending hours, you know, together. And so I've learned so much from him. I've learned loyalty, you know, it just extra loyalty. I've lot, I've watched from him how to treat the mailman. You know, he treats the mailman and treats, you know, people that the world wouldn't always see is, is the most special. I've watched him treat those people more special than the people that have the most money, you know, uh, around us and how to goal set in other areas other than business. You know, he would, he would give me the, what we frame as the block a, the block O, uh, which is, you know, goal setting for your for your spirit and for your ethics and for your giving to, to others, for your family, for your business goals, for your physical conditioning goals, how to goal set, but walking me through how to have it make sure it's specific and measurable, something that you can measure. I'm going to work out three times per week and I'm going to be this by this date, some way to measure it and slow down and have solutions to those, have an action plan, not just having a goal, but how to have an action plan of here's how I plan to obtain these things and in the power of, of, uh, writing them down, uh, work ethic, giving of yourself consistency. This man will wake up at six o'clock in the morning and meet me at six thirty, seven o'clock in, in the morning. Uh, I watch him give of himself always to others. He was another Jim Serace, you know, to me, I had two great gyms in my twenties and thirties leading me into my forties of, of both of them, just servants of wanting to help uh, other people. And, and I could go on and on. I'd probably need a whole podcast just to walk through you know, I probably need to do a book. I got notes of a decades uh, of wisdom from, uh, from coach Tress. And then, uh, lastly, I just say Isaac, um, my jujitsu current jujitsu coach been a 13 year journey. I've had so many people coach me in jujitsu, uh, that I've learned from. And, uh, just for the sake of time, I'm just going to highlight, uh, Isaac and what I've gotten from him, not even just the, the game of jujitsu and grappling in general, but just, uh, Isaac Greeley here in Pittsburgh, uh, heads up to Matt Factory. Uh, what I learned from him is Isaac is currently in his mid-40s, uh, multiple-time world champ, uh, Pan Am world champ, uh, former All-American wrestler, um, also a chiropractor and business owner by trade, but he has the Matt Factory. And what, what I've learned is, again, how much you can care for somebody and how much that would make somebody run through a wall for you. Because I think one of the secrets that he has and why his team does so well is because of how much that he loves on them and how much that he cares about them. That perfect balance again of toughness, being hard on people, pushing people to they're about to break. But you know, for a fact that, that he loves you. I don't, I don't even know how he has this much heart to go around because I, I know that anybody that coached by him feel gets field uh, feels the exact same thing, but his heart for people um, and how much he gives to his team, to people that walk into that room that are committed um, it's just amazing to watch that balance, how you could be hard on people. But then also for myself, I needed a, a person to erase my excuses to keep my grappling journey going. I had so many people in my ear, you know, even in my own mind of like, man, how many times do you want to get injured? You know, I've had multiple surgeries and 
injuries and stuff that I've had to do and, and miss because I get hurt, you know, grappling. Anybody that's been on the journey knows what I'm talking about. But Isaac, mid-40s, still training and still can compete and hang with people 20 years old, 22 years old. That's all I needed was one person to show me. One person to show me that, that you erase these excuses. You could still push and hang with people in their 20s if you take care of yourself in your 40s. That's what Isaac has been able to do to uh, to inspire me and that you don't need a sexy, huge gym to make a huge impact. You know, our our gym at the Mat Factory is smaller. You know, the mat space is, is smaller than many gyms. The big commercial gyms with more mat space. But there's not a lot of people that want to go to battle with the Mat Factory uh, because of the spirit that's put into that room. And it starts with Isaac, how much he pours in uh, to the people there. So if you give of yourself, all of yourself, people are going to respond uh, to that. And, and no excuses when it comes to Isaac. He has a wife. He has a daughter. He got a business. And you'll find him at the Mat Factory, you know, oftentimes till 9, 10 o'clock at night, working with people, traveling on the weekends, uh, just no excuses. You could be a dog and uh, have a big heart for people at the same time. So uh, I'll wrap it up there in, in a, a 30 minute segment. Again, I want to thank everybody as always for uh, coming on the grindcast, spending some time with us. Get ready. It's a new day. Let's get it. 